you're listening to Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. This episode features Brianna Chang. She is an AR working at 4AD, the famous indie record label. I like to do these episodes talking to people who work in the music industry to get a sense of how it's done today, you know? Uh, I think a, a lot of this can be mysterious and it's changing all the time. And I think Brianna's career speaks to. Uh, this moment in time, you know, she's she's pretty young, and you know her experience is is uh, very of the moment, as you'll hear. But uh, yeah, so that's this episode. Just want to remind you that you can get more episodes by uh, on Patreon, Patreon.com/fluxblog. That's uh, five dollars a month gets you new episode, uh, new. Uh, Patreon episode every week and then just like a huge amount of archival material at this point. Lots of mini-series. And uh, yeah, before we get into it, I just want to tell you that the next episode coming up next Wednesday is with uh, Brian Hyatt who is uh, one of the the big-time writers at Rolling Stone. He's he's written, uh, I think, something like over 70 uh, cover stories. But we're going to talk a lot about the art of... uh, talking to like huge celebrities and uh you know the 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 changes in how people uh write and respond to kind of a celebrity profile yeah that's that uh right now let's get into it brianna chang uh brianna tell the listeners who you are and what you do um i am an a and r at 4ad um, and I do artist management through a different, I mean, through my own company called B4. So I guess the, let's cut, cut to the beginning of this. Like, how did you become an A&R person? <laughs> like, and I'll, actually, you know what? Let, let's, let's actually go to another question first. Mm-hmm. You know how like there's those, those memes where it's like, this is what people think I do. And this is what I actually do. Like, what do people think you do? And what do you actually do? <laughs> Um, well, I think a lot of people think that my job as an A&R means I get to hang out with bands and artists all the time, um, which is a lot of that, <laughs> but it's a lot of chasing and courting. And then um, that's before uh, I would start working with an artist. And then once that process begins, then I... Um, very hands-on in the recording process and like helping them with figuring out their creative vision and then relaying that all to the label and uh, making sure that everyone at the label understands who the artist is and um, then we make records and strategically market it and hope that everyone or the rest of the world feels you know as uh excited and into the music as we are (laughs) so like it seems like your role like on every step of the way is advocacy yes i'm everyone's cheerleader (laughs) (laughs) and it's a lot of uh, managing different personalities from the artist teams and to everyone at the label and the fans (laughs) so how did you get started in this because i think you've worked kind of in and around the music industry for a while now right yeah, um, so I actually, I started off as a music journalist, um, and I was working at 285 Kent, so live music was always part of the uh, beginning of this journey, and 
I I guess when I was working at 2D5, I met a lot of people in the music industry and someone, uh, one of my coworkers, one of my coworkers there was leaving her internships, um, her internship at XL. And that's where I started, um, I guess, working with labels. And from that internships, I don't know how much I should explain um, the label, but this is like 11 years ago and XL Recordings is under the Becker's Group umbrella. So we share the same office um, as Rough Trade, Matador, 4AD. And that's when I met the um, my boss now, <laughs> who is the head of 4AD. So was a lot of this is kind of like them seeing, okay, this person has a work ethic, but they also have like really good taste. Yeah. Um, so when I was at XL, I was an A&R intern and I made a bunch of reports and I don't even remember what happened, but I somehow ended up getting close to Simon just talking about music and he always, you know, stayed, I guess, Looking back, he was always kind of a mentor to me. And then um, I had just so many different music industry jobs. And um, I guess going back, uh, my boss at Excel eventually left to work at Mom and Pop. And she took me with her. And I was her A&R scout there. And yeah, the a and and music discovery bit was always part of my journey. And um, six years ago, I was working as an A&R at Downtown Records, and that's where, I guess, Simon was checking in on me a lot more and eventually um, hired me. <laughs> so, uh, especially at that point in time, like, what is the discovery process like for you? Like, how are you kind of hunting for things? God, it's so different than what it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I asked it that way. <laughs> yeah, so back then, I think blogs were a lot more relevant. Um, so I was making reports of like new artists that weren't signed uh, and that were covered by multiple outlets and a lot of checking Hype Machine and SoundCloud. Because <laughs> um, I don't, yeah, those platforms are not, uh, I wouldn't say those are music discovery uh platforms now <laughs> yeah it's always changing it's mm -hmm. like you know it's, it's kind of always improving and then like I, i'm a person who's kind of like stayed in the same lane but it's not really for like the same purpose really yeah oh and then there was a lot of checking all my rockness and seeing like what band is in town that weren't signed and like actually going to see those acts live um and i feel like i don't really do that as much anymore yeah, it seems like a lot of the artists you work with now maybe don't play live as much. No. Um, well, I guess the ones that I'm working with at 4AD now are all just making their records. Uh, but eventually, once the, pro uh, the projects are out, they'll be touring yeah. again. <laughs> but um, so were there like things that you were kind of pursuing that, I mean, I have to imagine like, there are things you're pursuing that kind of fell through your grasp a few times over? Oh yeah. On. Oh, there's a lot of losses. <laughs> I like I was looking into this band and like they just happened to be in the area so we all met up yesterday and ended up at Winnie's. 
Oh, um, God, but look to the karaoke lounge. Yes. I know. I always say that, like, it's not fair going with artists to karaoke because <laughs> it's like they're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does Winnie still have, like, all the laser discs or did they upgrade from there? Oh, I don't know. I just, I think we're just going to have to deal with this guy hammering in the background. <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember the, the going there. I haven't been there in a long time. I think didn't they? I think they closed for a little bit. Yeah, like yeah. I just remember. I'm sorry. What is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. God, it's so weird. <laughs> I, I I think it would just be. It wouldn't be as weird if I understood what he was doing. It's like okay. Right. <laughs> All right, let's just take, let's go for it. Um, and you know, if there's hammering, I'll just leave in explanation that there's hammering. <laughs> you know, it's probably not that loud in the mix. Um, okay, so kind of getting back to what I was saying before, like you know, the process of doing A and R probably involves a lot of disappointment of not getting what you're after. Like, yes. how do you manage that? Uh, you know, just oh. on a professional and personal <laughs> level. Um. It was harder in earlier on when like, you know, those were the first few uh, losses, but like you, you eventually move on from that. I mean, uh, there's also like a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what is, uh, I mean, with the, the part of your job that's kind of managing personalities and you know getting people you know persuading people to do things yeah uh, do you feel like you were just kind of naturally a person who gravitated to that kind of thing that kind of skill set um I guess for me like working in music was always something that I I had to make it work and so when I was writing about music it was a lot of like writing about up and coming acts and a lot of that is still in me of just like really wanting to do what everything I can to um, work with young artists and like making sure that um, their music is being heard, whether it's through my music writing or like uh, pitching them in the industry. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Well, sort of. I was thinking more about this kind of like when you're actually working with people, when like when you've mm -hmm. actually taken them on, when the deal is made, and it just seems like you're kind of working with people who will be very sensitive, people who will be very anxious, people mm -hmm. who will be, you know, very, you know, eager to get to the part where they're successful. Yes. So um, what is that part of the job like of just trying to like manage people's expectations, but not like make them feel depressed <laughs> well i there's someone made a joke a, a few years ago which i think is a meme now but like it's saying that a and r stands for anxiety and regret <laughs> <laughs> and i feel that still every day <laughs> um so it's a lot of like managing my own anxiety and like communicating the expectations of what i can do to the artists that i'm working with and like really having that bond of like believing in each other and that like we're all trying our best. <laughs> and um, I guess, yeah, for, on the artist's end, it's really just having that relationship where um, they would trust my ideas and, like, trust that the label is trying. And, um, 
And I think maybe in a way that like the artist management team plays a big role where a good manager won't let that go through all the time (laughs) from the artist's end. Um, So I'm really thankful for that role. So when you're looking for artists, how much are you considering, you know, the vibe of the label versus like trying to find things that the label does not have in their history? Um, So at 4AD, um, I... I've always been a fan of the label and I've always wanted to work uh, for Simon. And when I got hired, it was kind of like, I mean, it was pretty random, but not at all. (laughs) Um, I was just venting to Simon four years ago about how I wanted to start a singles imprint um, where I was just working like Uh, I was just working really short-term deals and like super artist-friendly deals and working in the space of young music, which happened to be a lot of bedroom pop (laughs) and R&B then. And I was pitching that to the old company that I was working with and they said no to the idea. So I brought it to Simon and I made a joke of like, you guys should hire me because like all you guys are doing is indie rock stuff and like I think we should experiment and like be more progressive uh, for AD and I think that really resonated with him so when I got hired I was um, my, my responsibility was to start this imprint called B4 and also function as an A&R at 4AD so like all the artists that I signed to the imprint um, two of them are now signed to 4AD, um, which are Hawa and Velvet Negroni. And I think maybe, you know, Simon, Simon viewed B4 as like a test to see if like a like, farm league. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it ended up working. And I think it totally makes sense for uh, the label now. Like, um, I guess most of my artists, like TK Meza, who's pretty pop and rap and Erica DeCassier is very R&B but like kind of experimental (laughs) yeah Um, I mean I was thinking about this a little while ago um because I a little while ago I made this playlist that was just basically the entirety of the 4AD discography that was available mm -hmm. and it was really clear kind of at what point you came in and I don't think that was (laughs) I don't think it was like I was I don't I think I actually realized it was you after the fact but uh-huh. there was a point where it's like okay like there's a different taste that's come in it still makes sense it still feels like it's in the 4AD realm because 4AD um this for people who might not know 4AD is a, is a very very famous and storied label that goes back to the 80s and uh, just all kinds of major indie alternative acts have passed through there. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking back to the 80s where you have Bauhaus and Pixies and then in the, I'm blanking who would be there in the 90s. But in, in the aughts, there would have like the National and St. Vincent and things like that. You know, it's a, it's a pretty big deal label that's always kind of been, it's, it's one of the labels where like the, just knowing that it's on 4AD will make you feel like, okay, I sh- I'll, I'll give that a shot, you know. Yeah, they definitely have that reputation. Um, but they always, I feel like they've always tried to, they've always had acts that like were a little bit different to the roster, but then because it's 4AD, like it all made sense. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Do you so, remember when they had um, Space Ghost Perp? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was basically, I was like, I'm going to sign the Space Ghost Perp to the label, but in 2020. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah. So there is a, it wasn't like illogical is what I mean. It was yes, just like a thing yes. where like you could see like, okay, you kind of see the direction things are headed as opposed to kind of, uh, you know, as opposed to just kind of staying in one place, like one brand, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the key to sustaining, uh, especially in music, because everything is changing all the time. Yeah. I think especially with like labels, like indie labels that have that kind of name recognition, you know, if you just stay the one thing forever, you know, like, you know, things change and things like styles change and if you don't you know i'm thinking of like other similar labels like uh sub pop or merge or matador where like they've had similar kinds of evolutions where you know i don't think everything works i mean i'm pretty familiar with the matador discography and there's a period kind of in the late 90s early 2000s where they they weren't clicking but then you know it starts clicking again right (laughs) um so do you feel like you have to make a case for everyone that you find or do do you find like resistance with within 4ad or like or or is b4 kind of like something where you just kind of have a lot of autonomy um so i guess before uh when i knowing simon for like the last decade i was pretty um before i officially worked with him i really wanted it to be like B4 is strictly between me and you Um, because, I mean, yeah, it had to be under those terms. And then I guess for the A&R process, there's Ed, who is a head of A&R at 4AD, but he's based in the UK and he's done like all the legendary acts. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I feel like the indie alternative stuff is all him. And there's another woman named Teal that's based in the UK and she's the one that signed dry cleaning um so I feel like when it comes to music outside of that space they have they trust me and my taste so it's not too much back and forth besides like if everyone likes it then like it would be um an easy thing to pursue <laughs> and everyone is a music fan here so <laughs> you ain't safe until you lived your life with no fear can't live until we cry every beautiful tear It ain't easy to let go, especially when yes in Camouflage my darkest thoughts, disconnecting the dots Do what you gotta do, deep in the dark web The things we find in there shouldn't be seen by anyone Do what you gotta do, there's not a lot of me you know it's hard on me This time is the last time Cause I'm soft like cash me Spreading out like a wildfire We're so out of control Winter's where we fall Falling deep in our thoughts Miss me when I'm gone That's usually how it goes like Cause I'm soft like cash me As long as we've been in time like the memories Slow it down in the I don't think I can see the future 
Right at the middle, we became enemies. Send to me this from telling me that you always saw my love abuse, yo. And I'm about to lose, yo. I guess it never goes easy and as a service when you. So, so who was the first artist you signed? Um, it was Hawa. So that was through. So B4 is no longer affiliated with Beggars Group. Um, so I took it out last year, and that's why now it's an artist management company. Um, but when I launched B4 through 4AD, Hawa was the first artist. Um, and she it made sense because she was someone that I just found on Instagram. <laughs> so how, how did that happen? Tell, tell a little bit of the story of that and like what attracted you to her and her music. Um, so I have a really good friend who's a creative director. And at the time, she was working for a skateboarding thing for Vice. And she was scouting um teenagers <laughs> uh that skated and looked cool and so she found Hawa's Instagram where she um I guess she was just singing in an Instagram story and DM'd it to me of like this girl has like has it going on <laughs> um and at the time it was a private account so I never even got to see what she saw but um she really pushed me to take just take a meeting with Hawa and um it, looking back it was pretty crazy because I didn't have the um like before it didn't really exist it was just an idea and like I don't even know what I said to her that made her believe in me as much as I did in her <laughs> um and she played me a bunch of demos that she had I remember we were at a coffee shop in Soho and I just thought like there is a lot of work to be done, but like if she's as collaborative and open to like my ideas, then like I want to, um, I want to just try something with her. And um, so I like started just sending her a bunch of producers that uh, I thought would be good for her vibe, and she did all those sessions, and we made um, a bunch of music together and launched that through B4. producers and matching people with producers part of it yeah um I guess when I heard the demos it was pretty it, it reminded me of um racking <laughs> so my immediate thoughts were just like let me see who's been working with wiki and like mainly who's 
based in New York so that she can I can go into the studio sessions with her. Um, and I sent her a bunch of New York based on underground rap producers and what one of the people from that initial round was Tony Seltzer and now he's you know executive producing everything for her and it just happened that way um so how have you built up those relationships with producers um tony was an odd one and i am so thankful for him in believing in like this non-existent label and this artist that like didn't have didn't exist at all but he saw the vision when you know when they first met at the studio and um then we've all i guess grew together from that yeah it sounds like you all kind of came in around the same stage of yeah. just making something out of nothing mm-hmm. so Hawa was signed to like a few singles and we put out an EP with her and all, most of that project was with Tony Seltzer and um, she wanted she was the first artist that um, I well 4AD um added options to on the B4 deals. And so it only made sense for us to like move her to 4AD once before, you know, came out of beggars. And like, how is that done for you? Like how is like, this, how much pressure is on these artists to perform like, um, right out the bat, you know? Yeah. I think it's been, a, it's been a process <laughs> for someone like Hala. Yeah. Um, just mainly because she was still in high school and now, um, you know, it took her maybe two years to make this album that's now finally finished and we're gonna, you know, start that campaign in July, but, um, I don't know. I think for young people, it's, it's definitely like a learning experience, but once you get past that, it's everything gets a little bit easier. <laughs> Have you mainly been working with people who are just kind of like at this very early stage or has there been anyone who's had like a bit more uh, experience you've been working with? Yeah, um, I guess TK Meza, she, I was her A&R at Downtown Records. So when I left, she, her team were able to get her out of that deal. And she's someone that, you know, was a, touring festivals in Australia at age 16 and she's still pretty young but she's gone through she's worked with different labels and um now she's just like this machine <laughs> that's ready to go and like just doing sessions all the time and like uh I guess maybe she's some more experienced artist that I have um but I I guess Belvin Negroni too, but he's mainly, I feel like he's way more of an artist artist. Um, and Erica in her own way, because Erica has been making music for years now. Um, but I guess this is the first time she's working with an international label and like touring internationally. I think one thing that people kind of associate with A&R is like, hey, we need a hit. We need a hit. Uh, so like, how yes. does that work? What is the version of that for you of like trying to find a song that, you know, will has the potential to pop off and, you know, whether it's on streaming or, you know, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Um, well, I, th I don't really think of it that way. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, and that's, that's how I cope with it. You know, <laughs> it's like if if I'm thinking of a hit from every record, then it's just it. It's so much pressure, and I rather the marketing team like do their best uh, with the music, and like if it sticks, then it sticks. <laughs> But it seems like some of these, you know, you have some of these artists have like songs that have uh, had that kind of pop, you know, I was like, sorry, I was looking through just like the Spotify pages for a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, 27 Deli and, you know, some of these people have like songs that definitely have, you know, singles that have done pretty well, at least with for an artist that's not very well known. So like, how does that process work? So is, is the marketing team kind of more the one that's figuring out what songs to push? Um, well, I would be, as an A&R, I would help the artist. I mean, it would be me, Simon, and Ed telling the artist which tracks we think are the singles. And usually those are the uh, ones that we think are the hits. <laughs> um, and once, you know, we identify w- which singles to focus on, and then um, those tracks usually come with a music video and... From there, the marketing team decides <laughs> what to do with like the ads from the video and um, yeah, whatever necessary uh, social strategies to go with it. What is your relationship with TikTok right now? I am, I should be better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, my TikTok feed is just like, dogs <laughs> a lot of animals <laughs> and um and doja cat <laughs> <laughs> cats and dogs yes yeah so i mean but so that's not really like a, a place that you're kind of like looking around no but and i wish i like i just i wish i had more time to be on the platform to understand it more but um that seems like a whole other job in some way yeah, I kind of just leave that to Will, who's our head of marketing and <laughs> other and my other coworker. Um, I just, yeah, I ask them to send me whatever they think is cool. <laughs> so, so are people in your life just generally doing that? Like, like what happened with Hawa? Um, on TikTok? No, no, they're just sending you things like, oh, this is really cool. Maybe this oh, is Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. And like whenever there's a trend on TikTok, I'll, I'll usually get it in the DMs. <laughs> Yeah, or, or just, I, I mean, I kind of mean just kind of like music generally, just people finding random people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I, I don't do as much reporting, but um, yeah, it's a lot of people that I trust in the music industry, like connecting me with whoever and um, and whatever I come across, because I still like searching music on my own. Wait, so how does the reporting process work? I guess you're not really doing it now, but you were before. Like, how does... Like what, I guess that's like a formal uh, thing that you present to other people. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done it in years, but whenever I've had some, I've had a few interns and mentees, and I'll have them do the same kind of project for me, which now goes to um, it's more on playlists than reading any music publications. Um, and for me, when I get the reports, it's pretty casual, but I guess maybe I can only imagine 
at a major label, like it's way more like Excel spreadsheet and stats and <laughs> corporate, I guess. <laughs> um, so tell me a bit about some of the artists that you have uh, coming out now. I think a lot of, you know, the artists you're working with had stuff come out in 2021. Um, what Like what's coming out soon? Um, we have a Velvet Negroni album coming out uh, this fall. And this, it's like the same timeline as Hawa's album. Um, and then Erica is going to be on the Mira Massa record that's out this September. But her next project will probably be like early next year. And TK also later on the later end. And I guess on B4, we have 27 Delis project that's happening very soon. We just found I feel silly saying project. 27 Delhi. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess that, just seems, that seemed logical on my end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he has a few singles. I mean, this is completely separate to 4AD. Um, but right. So I guess that kind of raises the question of like, since like B4 is now separate, does that mean that you can just kind of work these artists to other labels? Yes. And that's been really fun for me to not be the A&R on those projects. Tim Fenton, I love you. Oh my God, Jasper, can I try on your glasses? Hey, hey. Talk that shit ten, huh? Jasu in the Benz, huh? Cileron be the scent, huh? Watch on Ben 10, huh? My bitch shit juice, huh? My bitch cooch cleanse, huh? Focused on my ends, huh? Came up with my friends, huh? Look, niggas got complaints, huh? Not many solutions. Had to put the city on my back and get to it. Only jiggy nigga in the spot ain't had to prove it. If baby keep on shaking all that ass and I'ma lose it. Look, niggas got complaints, huh? Not many solutions Had to put the city on my back and get to it Only jiggy nigga in the spot ain't had to prove it If baby keep on shaking all that ass and I'ma lose it I remember days when I was broke and I was thinking about the type of diamonds put up on the road Now I'm living lavish 20k carrots on the road Never tripping off a bitch I hit the spliff I'm on the road Pearly was a face Daytona cane so like, what is the dynamic of that? Since like, you know, you know, you're employed by one thing, but then you're kind of free to feed artists to other rival companies. Um, it's been fun. I, I really enjoy meeting other teams. And um, I guess for Delhi, like he was already signed to a deal before I stepped in as his manager. So it's been interesting seeing um for an artist like him, like that's a space that I haven't completely um, been in, which is like, com it's very hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> so he signed to a deal from um, 300's uh, distribution company. And um, it's kind of been, I don't want to say empowering, but it's been pretty sick to be the woman manager in all those meetings <laughs> wait tell me more about that so what, what does that mean for you um it means i could just be a boss <laughs> <laughs> so, um like, what, yeah. is, what is managing like versus being an a and r like it seems like it, it's obviously touches a lot of different areas um i guess managing is more of just like 
making sure the label is doing everything. I mean, like the label and every other member of the team is doing their job and like a lot of checking in and then like starting ideas and um, just making sure that like people are supporting your artists the way the best that they can. <laughs> this sounds like it probably involves like a fair amount of conflict. Yeah. Like, so yeah. What, like how do you <laughs> kind of handle that? It sounds like you're, you're just kind of naturally diplomatic. Um, I'm still figuring it out. That's there's the new comes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, there's always something that goes wrong. And I think um, sometimes I have to like take a step back and be like, it's just music. None of this is yeah. <laughs> that big of a deal. Um, and I think it uh, really just comes with experience. Like the more of these small things or big things that happen, like the, the easier it is for me to manage it. Yeah, like I guess the, the kind of the combination of confidence and clout. Yeah, I'm, and I think, you know, like working at 4AD with the global setup that we have, there's like, um, like, should I give examples of stuff yeah, that people freak out over? People love <laughs> like, <a> story. <laughs> it's not even specific stories. It's just like if a song goes up on DSPs and like there's a typo <laughs> in the track <laughs> listing or like the artist name or like the artist isn't tagged properly. Um, I feel like a lot of um, a lot of artists and managers would get really upset over that. And like, I think maybe me going through it enough times is just like, you know, like there's a process. It's also not going to be like that forever. You just have to wait and doesn't really matter who fucked up where as long as like we're focused on fixing the problem <laughs> yeah so yeah. so i guess like bringing people's temperature down yes yes <laughs> yeah i mean i imagine from the artist's perspective everything is potentially the end of the world everything probably seems very fraught mm -hmm. um yeah <laughs> thinking about just kind of getting back into the, the psychology aspect of this like what would you recommend to other people, I guess, even whether they're not in the same kind of career? Like, what have you learned as, uh, are good ways of managing this part of it? These Managing, like, people's expectations, managing people's anxieties. Like, like what do you recommend as kind of, like, strategies? Um, I think, like, before entering a working relationship with someone is uh, you really have to get to know each other <laughs> and being really honest of what you're capable of and setting boundaries really clear in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, yeah, because I'm at this point where I feel like I wouldn't want to work with anyone um, if we didn't get along because, you know, like signing an artist means you could be working with them for the next five to ten years. Um, so you have to just like really um, know each other before that happens <laughs> or trust that it's going to be a healthy thing. Do you feel like your sense of this, like the, your, of catching the vibe has become, you know, pretty uh, strongly attuned over the course of doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've had, I've had a lot of failed relationships. <laughs> so you learn from all of that. <laughs> So like what, okay, you don't have to say who they were, but uh -huh. like what, is, like what, what, 
what goes on in, in the, the failed relationship and like, how do you get out of it? Like, do you, um, how do you part ways? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, I guess I could give you one example. Like I've been really trying to um, pursue this one artist and uh, it, I was just getting really weird mixed messages from the manager and like the publicist too. And there was one point where I was in town and the manager was out of town. So she, um, they, they, they said they wanted to do a Zoom call together, but like didn't want me to meet with the artist without her. Um, but then like the publicist and the artist were all like, we're still down to me. Like we just have to keep it hush. And that really... I was like, I can't, <laughs> this is like messy already. And I can't imagine like how working together uh, would be <laughs> if it's like this already. So kind of where you are in your career now, which like, I mean, you, you just got on like a, what was it? Was it what, what was the list you were on? It was like uh, 40 under 40. Yeah, and I think you're you're, you're under thirty, right? Yes. <laughs> so, like, you know, you're 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 very you're so pretty young. Like, what do you kind of hope for your career for, like, you know, five years from now, ten years from now? Like, what? Like, Matt, what like, you I mean, haven't. <laughs> but like, what, what? Like, what do you hope to do? Like, what? What is? Where? What is like the best case scenario from where you are now? God, I like. I hope I don't come off as like entitled or, but like when that thing came out I like had the worst breakdown of (laughs) (laughs) like it was pretty bad because I was just like what happens now I was asking the same question (laughs) because like on paper I've been at 4AD for four years and I'm just like do am I gonna stay here for the rest of like you know a lot of people that work at Becker stay there for a pretty long time um or do I have to like figure something else out I I I don't know (laughs) yeah um, but I do I guess hope it also that kind of depends what happens with the music industry and how it mutates over the next yeah. 10 years. I mean, like, ideally, I would like to keep doing, I mean, I love doing A&R work. So whether it's like staying at 4AD and signing more artists there or um, maybe, I mean, eventually I want to have B4 as my full-time job. Um, so maybe I can find a label partner for B4 again um, and do artist management from B4, but that... I, I guess that's the answer to the question, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I, but I don't have a plan for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think whatever you're asking people about the future, it's like, well, I mean, if you're asking me about the future, it's like, well, yeah, these are some things I'd like to do, but, uh, you know, I, I think you get, especially the older you get, the more you realize, like, there's all these weird contingencies, like just the weird, just the course of my own career is so bizarre and has like all these weird, like completely weird turns that it's like, I don't know. I think you, you, you sometimes just learn to, after, you know, after that happens a few times, you just embrace the weird turns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I guess I want to, at some point I would like to not work as hard and have a family <laughs> and just be a housewife. So, <laughs> Well, I hope these things t- work out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where you can just kind of be like a, a mogul overseeing a thing while like, you know, yes. you're mostly just taking care of kids. <laughs> I mean, if that can happen in five years, that would be sick. <laughs> I mean, it could, you know, these things could happen. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate talking to you about all this. I, th- I think a lot of this is very mysterious to people, which is why I like to 
talk to industry people when I can. Uh, I hope it was helpful <laughs> and not me like going off about the same things. <laughs> oh, you know, before we go, like if, if people are interested in doing A&R, like what do you recommend they do from the perspective of 2022? Um, I mean, are internships popular still? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> um, I know at Beggars, like we're not allowed to do to hire interns unless they're part time employees. Um but I think seeking out opportunity to like be assisting anyone that you admire um, is, and just like doing your research and like finding out what labels you I, you want to work with and like reaching out to the right people. Do I think feel, LinkedIn is really helpful for that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like the way you got in is one of those classic music industry things where it's like once people figure out how to get in that way, they just change the rules and people can never do it again. Like it's not repeatable. Um, yes and no. Cause it's like, if you're in the scene long enough, you're going to find someone that's going to hire you. Right. Like you just have to work really hard and like, um, position, make yourself available to different opportunities. Yeah. Just so yeah, yeah, I guess I guess the real advice here is just like you have to just be in the world. You yes, have, you have to like <laughs> commit to it, be part of things, and talk to people, have like relationships. Yeah, like when I was at two eighty five, I was also like interning at pianos and then writing for like five different publications. Like I, I think I did my, <laughs> I did the so most. So you knew like pretty early on, like this is it. This is where I want to be. Yeah, I mean, this goes back. I mean. <laughs> I, so I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so I ran away. Oh my um, God, wow. When, like a week before I turned 18, and one of my first jobs was working at 285. <laughs> um, Wait, how did you so even I, get there? Like, like, what brought you to 285 from like, uh, that particular point in time? God, I was like already writing for Ear Milk. Um, and so I was covering a lot of shows when I was underaged <laughs> and just like meeting people at shows and um yeah I think I just like I literally I went up to Rick <laughs> or was a Todd P back then um and I was like you should let me work for you and I'll and that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible I'm, but I'm I guess glad we got to that because that's an interesting part of the story for sure uh, I feel like I've said it enough in different interviews that people are all just like sick of hearing it. But like, that's basically because I had to live on my own and figure it out. I, like I had to make it work. The stakes me. were high. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very high. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, I mean, having super high stakes is is probably one of the best motivations anyone could have, really. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes you see people just kind of uh, get lost because the stakes aren't as high. I see that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I'm glad this all worked out. This that's a incredible path. God, that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of life in a, in, a, in a relatively short period of time. <laughs> but uh thank you for coming on. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Tom, 